we have talked about tipping before. We talked about tip culture and the pressure and the fact that tipping is really, from most people's perspective, getting really out of hand. You're now being asked to tip at places where you probably don't feel like you really want to leave a tip. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But we're talking about the design of the technology that's actually asking for that tip and how psychologically it's influencing you. We're going to get into it right now with our guest, who's an associate professor in the Faculty of Information at the University of Toronto and is right now a visiting associate professor in the School of Information at the University of British Columbia. He studies user experience design. Olivier Saint-Cyr is joining us. Olivier, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate getting your insight on this. Thank you. Good afternoon. And thanks for having me on the show. I think this is so interesting to dive into when you talk about user experience design, the ways that we are influenced without even realizing that we're being influenced. There are a couple different aspects to this. So there's a psychological aspect, Olivier, and a design aspect. Let's start with the psychological one. We are we are creatures that feel, you know, maybe a little bit of pressure. We want to prove ourselves and uh, not appear cheap, right? Is that what goes into the psychological component of this? Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, it comes from a, again, psychologists have been studying this for quite a number of years, uh, but it comes from a bias, which is called social desirability. So when we um, are sort of with other people or in a context where there are other people that are present, we want to kind of look good, right? We don't want to uh, look socially undesirable. So people will often, uh, for example, be um, changing their mind on their political views or their opinion on certain topics just because there's maybe a majority of people they feel uh, have a certain opinion and Mm -hmm. they want to kind of fit in with the crowd and be socially accepted. So when we, when it comes to tipping behaviors, um, some of these principles apply too, right? It's the whole idea that if we go to a restaurant, right, and we hang around with a bunch of people, we go with friends in a restaurant, uh, we don't want to be seen as the one person who's kind of uh, being cheap in right. the group or not not being kind of uh, socially accepted, right? So, so that that's one aspect of it. Like um, the, the other aspect is, and, and this plays kind of they kind of play together is is an effect in psychology called the Hawthorne effect, okay. um, which kind of shows that this social desirability bias is even more is even stronger when we're being observed. Hmm, when okay. we're in a situation when we're being observed, uh, you know, uh, people uh, tend to even want to fit even more uh, with with the norms or with the with the practice that are sort of socially desirable. So, and we know kind of tipping is uh, more and more in the tipping industry. We are being observed because, as you just mentioned before uh, in your introduction uh, remarks. Um, a lot of tips is now being asked in situation where it was not right. pre-pandemic. And yet and, you're always being observed in those situations, whether it's a server bringing something to your table or whether it's someone standing across from a counter from you. So you're being watched. Right. So when you were paying cash before, potentially, uh, the server would bring you the bill with a little folder and, you know, you would the server would walk away and have some time. You would have some time to look at the bill, figure out how much tip you want to give. You'd put the cash in that little black folder and you fold it with the copy of the bill and later on the server would come and pick up that folder and get the price for the meal plus the tip but now you're standing in a coffee shop taking out food not even eating on you know at the coffee uh place per se Mm -hmm. and then you have one of those 
tablet-looking uh, tipping device that is getting turned towards you, right? And um, the, the person who took your order is right there in front of you, right, right in your face. There's yep. no way you can avoid that, right? Like, and the pre-selected options are really something that, that plays into the design aspect of this. And we've talked about this on the show before when we talked about tipping getting really out of hand. It's those, it's those options that are really, they're chosen for you. Is that part of what you classify as dark design? Yes, it is a part of, uh, of dark design. Dark design is a series of design patterns that are meant to trick users into uh, getting into certain behaviors. Um, for example, many of your listeners have probably experienced in the past how easy it is to open an account on certain websites, but how hard it is to close that account because there are multiple steps involved. And we know that when there are multiple steps involved, users are likely to give up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an example of a dark design. But in case, in case of tipping, it is really um, a, a dark design pattern that we call pre-selection. So pre-selection is trying to show the users some selections that are made for them in order to influence the decision-making and kind of discourage them to explore other options, either right. by not putting these options visible on the display or by putting them visible, but in a much more smaller uh, text or button size or so that you, you by default, you will go with the pre-selected option. Right? right. Because it's, it's you know, it's more steps then to try to navigate away from having to go to a, a different price option that you'd like to pay and then selecting zero and then going back to the original ask of, do you approve of this purchase? It's easier to just press one button and agree to, to that tip. Absolutely. And it's, it's a, sometimes it's, a, and again, like, um, one of the issues is that there are not really any standards on how to design these tipping machines right now. Uh, they're highly customizable by by the owners of the machine. So it's like, you know, you have a user manual and you follow a certain amount of steps. So you can decide as a restaurant owner to kind of, you know, have the tipping percentages of whatever you want, uh, show a no tip button or show a, not show a no tip button, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm sure people have had different experiences because there's probably like six or seven different machines and designs out there. And so again, like if you know that selecting a custom tipping amount will take you an extra 40 seconds and it will ask you to go through six or seven different steps in order to complete the process, you're just more likely to go with the flow and select the pre-selected amount, right? What what does influence look like in terms of the option that we select? Do people naturally choose the lowest option, the middle ground option? What are we drawn towards? Or is that part of yeah, the way that it's presented to us? Yeah, it's, it's part of the way the information is what we call it being architected on the screen. But it's definitely, again, now we go back to how the psychology and the design of the machine kind of are coupled together, right? It's like if we don't want to look cheap and we want to be socially uh, desired or look good socially, we're probably going to default to the middle or the third option, let's say out of three options, because the first one will be seen as, you know, like uh, being cheap, even though the first option may in fact be 15 or 18% right. sometimes as a start, right? Like, so it's, it's not necessarily like the good old, like eight or 10 or 12%. Like it's, it's so, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is if you've noticed on some of these machines now, they, they add some wording underneath the tipping amount, like, you know, so the first option mm. will be 15%. Great. Yep. Um, you know, 18% very good and 20% excellent. 
And, and I'm not sure that's a very fair way to do things. I mean, I don't think um, a 15% tip personally is, is just considered great. Like normally if you tip 15%, you might have, you might have had a very good to a, a pretty decent service, right? But again, these words are there to play with, with your sort of cognitive uh, emotional aspect. Uh, you know, great seems to be just okay, right? Like, yep. So so the word great does not match the actual percentage that's on top. Like great at 8% might be okay, but great at 15 or 18%, now there's a mismatch between the label and the actual tipping amount, right? Yeah, I can put myself into that exact situation where you've had a really great um, interaction with someone, but you don't feel like they deserve that label on that machine. And it really does it influences that guilt that we feel to then try to prove something with how much we're tipping. I'm curious, there must be so much more to this. For someone who studies user experience design, can you think of other examples where we're influenced by the machines around us? Yes. um, In the the world of ads, for example, if you think of, um, you know, some of these social media uh, adding campaigns, right? People want you to click on the ad, mm-hmm. right? They don't necessarily um, uh, want you to bypass the ad. So what they'll do is they'll put a little X uh, button to close the ad. Now we're all used to the little X button, right? If you use Windows, it sits on the top right corner of your dialog box. If you use a Mac, it will sit on the top uh, left corner of your dialog box, but there are guidelines to design those things. Like for example, they should be like at least 10 pixels by 10, 10 pixels so that people can tap them or click them properly, right? But some of these folks will design these things purposely tiny and small, mm-hmm. like let's say two pixels by two pixels. So the chances that your mouse pointer would actually hit the X button and close the ad is very, very slim and they know this. So as yeah. a result, a huge percentage of your user will end up clicking the ad instead of closing the ad just because it's, it's almost virtually impossible to close it, right? Like, yeah, or if you're trying to get to that pinpoint X on your phone, you can't do it. You end up just going right. to whatever they're selling you anyways. Yes, Is there... we're being kind of tricked into these behaviors, well, right? And, like that's, that. yeah, yeah. and that's my question to you, Olivia. You know, we are so essentially being tricked. Technology is becoming so intelligent and so smart that it manipulates us in ways that maybe we don't even perceive. Are we... Is there a message there for us to just be more mindful about the things that we're being presented with technology? Or is it just ultimately smarter than us and going to influence us? No, I think we have to be more mindful. But again, like in my in, in our practice of user experience, which is all about the technology, the, the study of the, the interaction between people and technology and information, we typically don't tend to blame, blame the users too much. <laughs> I like to blame the designers of these technology much more than the users in a sense that, hey, there are design guidelines, and these design guidelines should be respected. And a dark pattern or a dark design is essentially breaking a guideline that we know is, is good for the user, but by doing the opposite of what it should be doing. And, and these are intentional decisions. So we have to be very conscious of this. Like these designers are making these intentional decisions. So it, it, it raises a question about what ethical design is about, yeah. right? And should we have some some protection as consumers about ethical design. So right now, for example, in Europe, they're talking about like, it should be just as easy as subscribe to something as it is to unsubscribe to Mm -hmm. something. So they're trying to pass a legislation to make subscribing and unsubscribing the same process. If you can subscribe with one click, 
you should be able to unsubscribe with one click. But we know that's not always the case, right? <laughs> we know unsubscribing is sometimes way more difficult than subscribing to something. Yeah, likely so, all of us have experienced that to some extent. Right. So it's like the, the designers have the moral responsibility and the ethical responsibility to avoid these patterns. But obviously, I mean, we can get into a huge discussion here, but this is conflicting, obviously, with like business goals and people wanting to make money and people like, <laughs> again, I'm not I'm trying to solve the problem here today. I'm just saying that, you know, if you're ad an advertiser, your goal is to get people to click to your ad, right, in your ad. But I think you should do it more in an ethical way than an unethical way, because this could backfire. And in the tipping industry, this is what's happening right now, right? Like it's, People are starting to comment on places that are asking for too much tips, or yeah, yeah. or you know, if that if that you restaurant know. or business has established that the base tip amount is thirty percent, are you just going to then just pick zero because you feel like that's just something that you cannot be influenced to do? I think this is so interesting to think about and and to look into, uh, Olivier. I want to get into a right. deeper discussion with you another day. That's all the time that we do have. Oh, all but good. We really all good. appreciate your insight. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show and of have course. a great day. Take care. You too. <laughs> Olivier Saint-Cyr is an associate professor in the Faculty of Information at the University of Toronto and is a visiting associate professor at the School of Information at the University of British Columbia. Studies user experience design and the way that technology influences us in ways that we don't even realize.